Is here. I'm here, y'all. This is crazy. The heavy hitter is here. Now, enough reminded me, Saif, you and I don't remember anything about our history. We had enough on an episode, in a, on a live episode. On a live episode? Yeah, we were in Brooklyn, right? Which one? The Flex one? Not the Flex. Was it the Flex one? I think it was the Flex one. Like, did we do a mini interview? Like, did we interview you first? I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. I was in the crowd was the other live one? one? There was one I was in the crowd and one I was actually there. We only did a live one in Brooklyn once with Flex. Then we did the live one at um at uh that what was that spot? Highline. DJ Enough One App. Let's see. You're searching it. Look at the research we have on this. It says <laughs> we have a crack staff. Uh, one app at Masters of Ceremony. He was on with us there. Oh, yes, yes. He came yes. on at the Masters Barclays. of Ceremony concert at the Barclays Center. Ah. Uh. Which was a big day. Yeah, but that's no, you got had, overshadowed, E. Yeah, we had Rakim. We, we had Rakim on Lava. Everlast, Farside. Lost the Everlast episode. That's where um, Capone's boy called you the Jew N-word. That's correct. Um, anyways, guys, I want to apologize in advance for anything that gets uh, fucked up about this episode. I see recording and levels. At the very least, we'll have a totally fine audio podcast. God willing, between the crack staff of myself, Emilio, and the great Billy June, we got these cameras operating well enough. But E, you're first, not not because we want you to be a guinea pig of our in-person studio interviews, but because we just been talking recently about like, you might be one of the most untapped into treasure troves <laughs> of hip hop history. True. Because we, we, you know, I don't work at High 97 anymore. Disgrace. I was disgracefully uh, escorted out of the building, but. We work with you and you're a friend, so sometimes you forget how deep your friends go into the culture and the history, you know what I mean? And E, yours is, is a crazy story. I've had some fun. We have to start at the very beginning. All right, let's go for it. Born on the LES? No, born in Harlem. Born in Harlem. Harlem. I heard that. My parents See? lived and resided and dated in Lower East Side, so I was made in Lower East Side. <laughs> you were made in Lower East Side. But raised predominantly in Brooklyn. Wow, Wait, where's the that make sense? What, where do, what street were you conceived on? Like Kenmare? Yeah. What, oh. do you, what do you think? <laughs> Probably 4th Street and Avenue Four, C. Avenue C, okay, okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Alphabet City. Yeah. Okay, okay. 100%. And, and then when did they move to... Brooklyn? Well, to Brooklyn, yeah. 1979. You're a, you're, you consider yourself a Brooklyn. You know why? Because it took me a long time to kind of figure this out. But wherever you kind of like went to junior high school and high school, yeah. it's kind of like where you kind of like... No, I think even a little before that. Yeah, but I did a, I did elementary school, junior high, high school, and college all in Brooklyn. Yeah, you're, you're a Brooklynite. What part of Brooklyn? Flatbush. Flatbush, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And this is 79. So we're talking about... We always hear about like hip hop in the Bronx in 79. Right. And what was the what was the scene? What was your first exposure to hip hop in Brooklyn in the early? Wait, 80s? What do you think? He was in his twenties. 
was like five. Oh, I was young. <laughs> no, he was man. seven. What were you? Six, I was seven years young, old? man. I was probably like no, eight. What was I don't know? Seven. What was eight? the scene? Describe no. <laughs> <laughs> no, what was the what were the clubs like? <laughs> yeah, I just finished doing like an interview with Clark and Kid Capri, and we we're talking about they were talking about the uh, the the cool Herc party and and like what was it like back in those days? And I was like, guys. I was probably two. You know, like, I'm like, there's no way. I wasn't outside back then. And I wasn't outside in 79 either. You weren't outside yet? No. I was listening to radio shows like WHBI 105.9. I was listening to the Zulu Beat Show. I was listening to Awesome 2, Teddy Ted. So where that's mid-80s. That, by the, that's the, the early 80s for me. Yeah, like 82, 83, 84. Somewhere around that time. So listening to Public Enemy for the first time, I was like, what the hell is this? I was like... I put this face on like a fear. Like I said, is this really happening? And I'm listening to them rap like, oh my God, the world's going to be over. These guys are talking some ish I've never. Welcome to the terror. And this is literally like one, two in the morning on a school night. All right. So, you know, I'm, I'm 12, 13. If that, listening to this music at two in the morning, there's no headphones, no smartphone, right, no right. Spotify or uh, Apple Music. I'm listening, I'm listening yeah. from my dad's stereo system right. at one in the morning as low as possible as low as because there's it. no headphones either. And um, at what age did you take like a more serious interest in the music thing? Like, nah, I'm really into this. It wasn't until after like the breakdancing era for me. There was a crew called Nasty With Rock out of Flatbush and they were dope. Nasty With Rock. Yeah, they used to battle like guys from Break Till Dawn out of Coney Island. That was their like arch nemesis group. Okay. But I was the guy who kind of like carried the radio back then. Somebody I was, had to. I was the radio dude. I was a little chubby guy. <laughs> Plus, when they started doing windmills and stuff, I was like, that's not for me. <laughs> no, I can hold the radio, though. I can hold the radio. With it. No, you, you know what? He's, he was one short of the guy who was sticking the plug into the yeah, lamppost. Lamp yeah, yeah. You know, That was more technical. That's it. But this, yeah. he, is, he was holding the radio. I was holding the radio. Job, man. I was the well, guy. By the way, Don't knock it. By the way, it, it is the DJ job. Yeah. I mean, you were essentially being the DJ. You're and back in those days, I would make pause tapes. I would take the greatest records from the radio and I would just record them and I would try to make pause tapes to extend the breaks on these damn mixes or whatever. And that's what actually came out to be the guy's workout when it was like break dancing in the field. Oh, oh you, would, you would end up making I would, their... I would make the music and the, yeah, the cassettes back in those so days. If you ain't hip-hop like that. You never did that. You didn't, you weren't, you weren't pause tape mixing for no, B-Boys. That was, that, was no. a, that was a real deal for me. That was everything. What was your name at that point? The Real Truth? Ewop. Ewop. E-W-O-P. It's not the worst we've heard. E-W-O-P. So like, remember how Doo-Wop had his name Doo-Wop? It was Ewop. That's not a bad name because your name is Ephraim. Yeah. So E is always prominent right. in your name. Of Any course. nickname is going to have And e WAP in it. was a thing back in the day. It was day. a thing. The WAP was a thing. So E, um, when did you get turntables? I want to say 1985. Ooh. Because, all right, my first turntable was an upright turntable system that I got as a birthday gift. And I was happy. But I really wasn't happy. Right. It wasn't what it, you wanted. Because it wasn't a Technique 1200. It that wasn't. Was our, the techniques were already the thing in 85, huh? It was just starting to be a real thing. It was becoming a thing. But I remember seeing it on the album or single cover of the Malcolm McLaren and the, mm. the world famous Supreme Team yes. show. The, the Double Dutch single? or Well, one of the singles had the vinyl right. Yeah. And I, the turntable, and I was like, what the hell? And I looked at it because I had a Technique SL1 and a B2. 
And that was a sh- straight arm and one was a, a, a S arm. For the yeah. record, I just want to let you know right now, if you're out there listening and you never DJ with unmatching turntables, you're not a real DJ. Right. That's what it was. Well, I had a turntable <laughs> and then like a little, like you said, like a little stereo system. Right. I wish I would have kept it. I had like two tape decks, That's a it. radio, That's the same exact thing and I a had. turntable on top. That's the same exact thing I had. And I used to play the record on there and then scratch with the other Better turn. I bet you our parents bought it from the same spot. Yeah. Maybe the Wiz. I had to yeah. be the Wiz. I wish I kept that. <laughs> and man. see, I'm I'm so modern era relative to you geezers that my my move was I had a I had a first at first first I had the belt drive turntable and my parents CD player yeah, the stereo go. CD there component. You, there you go. Then eventually I got one techniques. And it was a long time where I was just finding ways to rock off one. Me too. And then like a year later, I was able to get the, the second one. Me too. So do you remember what records you were buying when you were initially buying My records? first record I ever bought on vinyl was probably Set It Off by Strafe. It was a club classic. Yeah. And then back in those days, anything that was on Profile, Tommy Boy, or Def Jam. Because I mean that. When I went into the store, when you saw the Def Jam wall or the Tommy Boy wall, you knew or the Profile wall, you was like... Anything on those labels are official. Anything. Yeah. yeah. And then back in those days, it was kind of proven. Like, anything on Tommy Boy was official. Profile official. He got home. Def with, Jam official. He got home with that Orange Juice Jones record. What? I saw you <laughs> and him walking in the rain. <laughs> Absolutely, brother. And then, and, then you, and then a lot of people may not remember this if you're not a DJ nerd. Like, I'll just be honest. There are a lot of Tommy Boy and Profile records from the early, mid-80s. That like I see them but don't know what they are. Yeah. Like they're like dance records and shit that I don't yeah, yeah. like they were club records. Yeah. That like I would see, but I I didn't really know. Yeah, like like C Bank or something like that. Yeah, like that, like that those was, type of yeah, records. That was the next plateau. Yeah. What age were you? Do you remember the age when you first rocked a party in any way? My first party, I can tell you the first party. My first party was these guys called the Love Brothers. The Love Brothers were, were my homeboy from Brooklyn. And I had to do an interview to DJ this club for them. This guy named Jose goes, yo, I love this mix you do with After 7 and Sucker MCs. Can you do that mix over for my brothers? So I was like, all right, cool. So I'm playing Can't Stop. Uh, and I'm playing Sucker MCs underneath like a nice blend. And I'm cutting and scratching. I go into Sucker MCs. And they fell in love with the mix. And that's how, how I heard I, it on a tape or on a cassette. Oh, I recorded it from my crib literally right. live. And then I gave it to them on a cassette. He got a phone call. Yo, we're going to start our party. We're doing our party with this kid named Tuffy. Tuffy helps Ralph McDaniels on Video Music Box. Mm. He's a host. Yeah. He's kind of a big deal. So then we called the night Tuffy's Candy Store. It was the first Sunday night party way before Flex even started his tunnel parties. Way before. We're talking, so this is like. This is 91, maybe something like that. Early 90s, right? And then maybe after that ran, after that run, I think that Jessica and Flex started the tunnel. But we were the first. It was on. Club Negril on 46th Street and Broadway, right off of Broadway. It was an African club, but it was a dope spot. And it was right across the street from the California club. And, and, and how old were you? I'm probably in my early 20s, if I'm not mistaken. And, and during the teenage years? But that you, sounds like a big party. Yeah. No, like, it was you, a huge party. No, but you wasn't doing like parties as a teenager? Like yeah, like the, yeah, I was. So but that just, was like, that, those little house parties I was doing. Yeah. Right. That, that's when I was still local. Right, right, <laughs> I was still right. like, like Queen Latifah says in Juice you're, you're Oh you're local. local You're just local. local I was definitely local So I was doing like my, my big to do party Back when I was local Was I did a high school party And this was for my stepsister At the time Her name was Samantha It was a sweet 16 And her father was The super of the basement That I lived in 
So we have access to the whole entire building on Brooklyn, right? But I invited everybody from Canarsie High School, mm-hmm. Midwood High School, Erasmus High School, Edward R. Murrow High School, Lincoln High School. Sounds like murder. Before you knew it, we no, had... This, this sounds like a podcast that white girls were listening to about true crime. <laughs> <laughs> no, but everybody and their mother from Brooklyn came. It was a real big to-do. Cops came. They shut the party down. Wow. It was one of those. Like, what are y'all doing? In an, in an apartment building? In, apartment in the basement. Building, in the basement. Wow, like where the garbage chute is. Where the garbage chute like, is. Yep, you go through the wow. garbage and then you end up in the area where it's just literally a big area. Yeah, that's some New York thing. shit, right? There. We had the boom, boom, bap speakers and it was really a party. Did you grow up around any other notable hip hop people? Because of Brooklyn in that time, I feel like there's a chance. There was some. Like who? Tell us. Um, <laughs> like, like the, the block parties we would go to were like Clark Kent was DJing at these block parties. Okay. Um, I would go to this guy named Professor Paul's house and he was like a legendary Flatbush DJ. Like he was the guy. He was the guy. He had pink turntables. We, we used to call them Pink Panthers. Wow. wow. But Hitman Howie T Ooh, would go. record and some DJ sessions at his crib. And I also went to school with Chub Rock. See, see, Sife. So Chub Rock. You hear me? So Chub Rock would have that, that voice. Hey, bro, how you doing, bro? Like he would talk like weird, that weird... Like I felt like what he is like, that voice. Like, like I felt like he was talking from London or something. Like, I, hey, I never even hey, thought about that. Like what anyway, voice is so, Chub Rock doing? I don't know, but that's how he talked for real. And he used to always wear trench coats in, in junior high. By the way, I very much want Chub Rock on the spot. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Wait, what? What school was that? Um, I went to Midwood High. No, junior high school. Huddy H U D D E. And then um, back in those days, there was uh, I forgot his name. Kurt something. Kurt was famous too, but he used to run with like Super Cat. And those guys from like Brooklyn and Queens and Long Island, like the reggae dance hall vibes, because we were in Flatbush. It was a very big thing for our, yeah. our neighborhood and community. Like me coming out the Lower East Side, leaving Manhattan, going to Brooklyn, it was culture shock for the first time. Yeah. So I grew up with Jews, Irish people, and Puerto Ricans in Lower East Side. That's the day, yeah. Right? And then I go to Brooklyn, it's like Jamaicans, Guyanese, Haitian, Trini, I'm the yeah, daddy. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? It was a real culture shock for me. So junior high school, high school, I'm raised with these West Indians. But then it did actually help because it was my first like real introduction to like Caribbean flavor music. Mm-hmm. So I got the edge on everybody else in the city. Yeah. So when I would come to the city to do my thing, Red Alert would be like, yo, do your reggae thing, bro. Do oh, your the, reggae really? thing. Yeah, because yeah, wow, Red, Red's from Harlem. So they kind of dipped and dabbed into reggae music, but not as not deep like as that. Because like we then, did. Because like if you, if you did, Red Alert's doing a party and there's a lot of people from Brooklyn there, right. they tend to be... At least of West Indian descent, so they more used to wanting to hear some reggae music mixed in. But like 100%. that's what that's how I got my name 100%. with Flex because 100%. Flex didn't want to play reggae. Well, I, was, I was about to say, wow, what a through line between the two of you, yeah. Puerto Ricans who were known for playing yeah. a mean yes. dance hall, set. mean dance hall. Wow, it's always high respect. It was always a good break. Max Glazier and them guys. They yeah, like amazing. a good break for a DJ. Go ahead, play like 20, 30 minutes of reggae. I'm, I'm gonna I'll go be right back. Smoke yeah. blood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, that's very cool. So, so, so there were a good amount of hip hop people around 100%. around the way. Yeah, around the way a little bit. Yep. And how big did the the party at Negril get? Did it started jumping off. So the first three weeks, nobody shows up. I'm nine hundred dollars in the hole owed to me because my first night DJing it was going to be three hundred bucks, yeah. and I was like three hundred bucks to DJ. I'll do it for fucking free. Yeah, they, but yeah. I took the three hundred dollars and I was except I was well, I didn't get the three hundred dollars for like. Almost a month later, but my point was this: this is this is how, this is to tell you the timeline exactly. Okay, the red zone was popping on Thursdays. 
And Flex used to do guest spots on Thursday at the yeah, Red I've Zone. I've heard Flex shout out Red Zone before. P Rock, Premier, Clark Kent were also DJs in rotation, and even Kid Capri at the time. But Naked Tim Dog was the host. Wow. Okay, you know who that is? But Naked Tim Dog? Uh, yeah. I, I just, know the name. I just he, used don't know he, he used to roll around Uptown MCA Records yeah. around. He was down with like Diddy, Heavy D, yeah. So he was kind of the host and. He would take his shirt off and jump on stage. and he Hence the butt naked part. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that got part. it. Okay. Yeah, so that, that was not him. just a clever name. So I went to Tuffy and, I, and some of the guys said, listen, why don't we just go to the hottest party in New York City at the time? And why don't we just give out some free complimentary tickets? Because even if we don't make no money at the door, but if we have people at the venue, yeah. they'll be drinking. So at least, okay, we won't have no money for the door, but at least the venue makes some money. Yeah, it's a they're, hot not, party. they're not going to kick us out the next week because we made some money. Sure enough. After that little, you know, marketing plan from DJ by way, Enough. By the way, DJ Enough, I'm tell you right now, a lot of these, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to hit you guys with a lot of these kids today, but a lot of these kids today don't understand the importance of free shit to get right. things started. Right, right. Because you need people in That's the door it. to want other, uh, so other people want to be there. 100%. So for this legendary party, my first club night, this is the people that are coming to my party. De La Soul, nice and smooth. Guru wow. and, and Premier. Wow. Good thing you gave them free tickets. Yo, Showbiz <laughs> AG. Wow. Shaba Ranks. And the most memorable, probably Dougie Fresh, because he Wait, schooled this is the me. the first night, or just like around the, the beginning? A little bit of, a little bit of, of, yeah, a little bit of everything, bro, yeah. because they all were online. They were all were there. And I'm like, wow. wow. Even Jessica and Flex and Red Alert, they all came to the party. That's crazy. It was amazing to me. This is my first, my first club, bro. Yeah. Wait, wait, were you, the, were you the only DJ? I was, yeah, I was the guy. You were the guy. You were I prime was, time. I said, I was prime time. I, st- I opened, I did the middle, and I closed. Do you remember? I remember I had a six, seven hour sets. <laughs> Jeez. Back, remember for $300. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, no, you bring, yeah. How many crates were you bringing to something like that? At least eight, at least. Who was, who was carrying those crates? <laughs> Haitian Pat, who's Haitian downstairs. Pat, He's one. still with me. Yo, Haitian Pat's day one like that. He's, yeah, day one like I'm gonna that. I'm going to be honest, I didn't know. I've Haitian Pat went to high school with me. Wow. He doesn't remember, but me and him smoked weed together in 1983. I'd be telling him, he's like, I don't remember that, bro. I wasn't smoking. I was like, you're full of shit, bro. I remember. 80, I didn't know you. So yeah. for anyone listening, Haitian Pat is like a, a, a staple around because of enough. He's, all, he's always been around. He's a great Yo, guy. Yeah, he's the first Haitian we ever shouted out on the radio. Before the Fuji's, before Wyclef, <laughs> before Lauren, before Praz. Like, he was the first Haitian being shouted out on Kiss FM. So Haitian, Haitian Pat was helping you with the crates. 100%. And do you remember some of the records that were super ringing off in your first club run? Party Groove. I was about to say, that's... Uh, De La Soul Saturdays. Um... Nice and smooth hip hop junkies. Let me see. There's that a few, bop, there's a bop, few bop, others. Bop, which set off a party. There's a few others. Yeah. All that was a go at, at those parties. But I remember. What about non hip hop records? On the reggae tip was Barris Hammond. Um, Broadway? Yeah, no. And then. Um, oh, um, uh, I forget. Uh, yeah. Whatever, with Cuddy Ranks and then yeah. the remix. Were you playing dance? Big... Were you playing dance records too? Uh, on, um, like, dance? Like home? Like, like what about um? What about do, the regular do, Q-tip? Do, 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 huh? Oh, D-Light, Groove yeah, of the Heart. Yeah, D-Light. Yeah, that kind of stuff was around a little you, bit. A little bit, okay. Yeah. But it was mostly hip-hop and dance hall. It was mostly hip-hop and dance hall. At least for us. Um. Okay, and so how I long- played no Spanish music at all. Sell out. Um, <laughs> definitely, 100%. They would look at me like, yep, sold out, sold out, sold out. <laughs> It was just only <laughs> hip hop and R and B. And I remember Dougie yelling at me like, "Why are you DJing like this?" I'm like, "What do you mean?" He was like, "You got to keep them up here, and you got to bring them down here, and then bring them back up here." And then he was telling well, me how to talk. Him, I don't know. All up here, you, right? I might I might have had him too. I, I might have been going too hard or too yeah. whatever. But he was trying to teach me how to 
roller coaster party. That that's, is the true art of DJing. That's something that, I never knew about. No. Le- Honestly, I learned it from I think you and Flex and Red Jessica at the tunnel when because the tunnel, the environment at the tunnel was so dangerous that you had to play a certain way, or if not, down, you yeah. would have to you have to bring it's it down because it, it gets crazy. Yeah. Oh, you have to bring it down just so you have to bring it down a little bit. Like it gets too wild, and we wanted to get wild, and then you come back down a little. You bring it back up. Yeah. Saif, you know one of my favorite stories that I love to uh, that I love to tell on the podcast about your prostate exam. What? Sorry, well, I don't know. Sorry, which one are you talking about? About Michael Jackson penis? Oh no, 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 no. that's not what I meant either. Um, about when Tigger used to tell me. I remember I, I was interning for Tigger, and Tigger. I apologize to all of our listeners who would said he had just come back from a party in the South where he was DJing, and he played "Make 'Em Say Uh." <laughs> they had to stop the party when Mystical's verse came on because they were about to throw someone off the balcony. Oh, yeah. my God. Like it, they had to That's stop. Cra- That's crazy. Yeah. In the middle of that joint. So, yeah, you have to learn as a DJ how to, how to pace yourself. And you don't yeah. want to spend people either to the point where it's like they, people can only go so long. But you got to cr- let people go get a drink. But the too. crazy shit at the time, this is my first club. He's kind of sunning me. And he act, and do right. He is the greatest entertainer, right? Yeah. So I'm over here like, Initially, I'm like bummed. I'm like, damn, this fucking the world famous Dougie Fresh telling me what the fuck I'm doing wrong. Yeah. Like with my own set. So I'm like, here I'm thinking I'm finally making it. I'm no longer local. I'm in the city now. I'm in Times Square DJing. All the greatest of the greats are at my fucking party. And then Dougie Fresh comes and busts my bubble. And, and, like, you, and, and it's like you can't exactly go, well, what does he know? Yeah. He's literally the world's greatest entertainer. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. No, and there's a famous story where people don't talk about it because... Because Dougie Fresh was telling enough this and enough was like, oh, I, I. And then he was like, hey, yo. Oh, hey, yo. I. And he created the whole record. And that was it. And happened right in that conversation. He stole his record. So how long did the Negril uh, party run last? It didn't last that long. Maybe about a year or so. You know, we were new. We didn't kind of really know what the fuck we were doing. But it was on video music box. But it was definitely on video music box. Yeah, because Tuffy used to to take the cameras there. So I don't know. I truly don't know the answer to this question. When did radio begin for DJ Enough? Okay, so oh, I'm... Oh, I know this. All right, so I'm DJing a Shut club up, on 23rd Street okay. and 11th Avenue. It's called Spodiotes. We're doing a party there, and then Red Alert oh, comes to is. me, and he has Red Alert has his poopoo juice in his hand, and he goes, hey, Enough, can I talk to you? I was like, yeah, what's up, Red? He goes, how would you like to join me on Kiss FM Radio to help me out with some things? That's crazy. So I was like, ah, you're drunk, bro. Stop it. Yeah. I, re- I literally called him drunk and told him to leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> I thought he was bugging. Well, he had the poopoo juice. No, but yeah, I thought so he was bugging. I forgot about the poopoo I thought he was bugging, okay? And then he says, no, I'm serious. So I was like, what? And then I got wind that Flex was leaving to start Hot 97. Wait, Flex used to... Flex was under Red Alert. Yes, Flex was Red Alert's apprentice first. Right. Wow. So he's leaving Kiss FM to start Hot 97. Yeah. And we're all laughing at the time. Of course. Because Hot 97 is a dance station. Right, good luck. And Funk is leaving the classic Kiss FM to fucking go start Hot 97. And at this point, Kiss FM in in hip-hop terms, we're now like in 91, 92. Kiss has already been a staple of hip hop radio for five, six, seven years. Easy, yeah. Where it's been like you, you already had all this incredible shit and BLS. Easy. So it'd be one thing if Flex had said he was switching to BLS. Right. But well, no, no, we're gonna go start turning no. on ninety seven. No, he's going to the dance station. Right, to and the dance at station. At this point, Glenn Fisher's there, Scribble, uh, I think uh I forgot who else is over there. I know Dennis is over there too. 
well, at, as at, you, at, oh, the, at the at Hot 97. Baltazar. Yeah, Baltazar. Ruben those Baltazar. Kind, of, those yeah. kind of people. That's what exactly what it was. And this is something that Flex never talks about. Okay. And I don't know why. Maybe he doesn't want you because he's not whatever. But when he first started, all the whites in New York, the Guineas and all that, they were fucking calling the radio station and yeah. get this nigga music yeah. off the radio. 100%. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Our Italian producer from Staten Island now, nodding his head. No, he's I call. Now, yeah. this is the truth. This is the <laughs> fucking truth. on the phone. This is the truth. <laughs> yeah, this is the good. truth. I don't know if it's just well, Staten Island or Bay Ridge or Bettshurst, but those neighborhoods were not a oh, fan that was... of Funk Master Flex taking yeah. over their dance station because, remember, that I mean, that meant no more TKA. That meant no more cover girls. Oh, that that meant big no at that more time. any of that stuff. So, wow, that's crazy. So, it was so crazy. People, so, it's a different time, bro. How long did it take, in your eyes, for Hot 97 to actually start catching on and people thinking of it as like, oh, I, I, let's turn on 97.1? Oh, this is a thing? Yeah. Maybe a few months in. It wasn't that, that it long. Been, it, maybe, it could have been too long. Maybe a year, if that. Okay. And that, to me, was short time. Yeah, it because is. remember, radio, remember format th- switch. think yeah. about it. Funk is only doing Friday nights. Sorry, right, Friday night street. And what an hour, maybe if that. And then a t- it was two hours, and then it was three. But hours. Was he coming on earlier than the normal rap shows? That, I don't remember. I think he came on like an hour early. Maybe to like get eleven the jump. or something. Yeah, maybe to get something? the jump on like Red Alert or whoever was on. Maybe album. something like that. BLS. And okay, and at that point, so now you go with Red, right? Of all the DJs that Red Alert knew and looked up to him, right? It's crazy. I always look at this like, me too. How did I get picked? Me too, hundred percent. You yeah. know how but many? You know what he said? What? I asked him the same question. Yo, yeah. why me? Wait, you asked him then or I years later? Him, no, then. Okay, why me? He said he felt like I had the most head on whatever. Yeah, my head was on like, straight. Yeah, yeah, my head was on straight. He was like, "This is not the streets." I'm taking you to corporate America. You'll be able to handle yourself in the building properly. You got to handle yourself in the daytime yeah. talking to yeah. bosses that's and managers. Was. And that's what it was. 100%. Yeah, man. But like how many opportunities like you like, I still struggle with it to this day. Like why me? Yeah, I think that about you also. Um, <laughs> no, but, but it's interesting because both you and Flex yeah. know how to and always have known how to operate in the station, not just as DJs, right, right. but as business people and figureheads right. in the radio station. Right. And, I'm, you know, we, we always get that. There's a lot of like, oh, why not this guy? Why not that guy? They were dope. They were great yeah, mixers. They were dope. Or every time Red saw them out, they were wasted. Like the DJs, I thought had a shot at doing that was probably like a Kid Capri, Ron G., even DJ Ace at the time, there was a bunch of DJs who were just really on fire in their own right, whether it was mixtapes, clubs, or they had a little ins and outs on doing some mixes on radio, and you kind of heard that. And it's interesting, because Capri is, 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 you know, you can make an argument for him being the most notable DJ ever from New York. I mean, 100%. And he had his radio moments. No, he was on fire on BLS. When oh, he, he was. When fire. he was on, Bro. he ran the city. No, but it was also... um. It was daily and it was early. It was and like he was only seven, on, and he was only on for like 45, 45 minutes yeah. or something. Was like it that. seven o'clock or half or an hour? hour? It was something like that. Six o'clock, maybe, yeah, maybe early. Yeah. So that that changed the game. No, it was crazy. He would come on at I think six o'clock. I don't think five. I think, I think he was six. on for half an hour, bro. It, it was like I remember. It was like forty minutes. It was like. Right as you know, radio terms. It was past where you think the commercial would go, and it would be like a little bit longer. I worked at Chicken Choice in in Wontaw, Long Island, and at seven o'clock, I'd be like, "Hey, I'm gonna go." I, I would make it my appointment to go to the back and clean the chickens, yeah, I <laughs> because I wanted to listen to uh, King Capri for that because it was short. You could get like a whole set, and he rocked it. No, but he couldn't. It. But from what I know, what he's what I've heard him say, 
he couldn't um, justify not going on the road to do this radio show for no money. Oh, right. right. Because he's, he's like, already- now they're calling me to do this party. I gotta go. I got a boat party in Virginia. He, I got this yeah, in he loved he loved the actual art of DJing at clubs, and yeah. he was the first big DJ to get his own tour bus and kind of toured multiple tour buses at that. Yeah, but radio at that time was probably like no, it no was money. Yeah, it was, but it still it was everything. Yeah, like cause it's, it's it's setting the culture, but it wasn't crazy money. No, I mean he's no. probably getting a shift rate, you know, Maybe, or whatever. Yeah. We don't know what the deal was. Back so then. so yeah. what, when were you on? Okay, so there's these things called. Music conventions, right? Of course. The Gavin, the BRE, yep. Jack the Rapper, oh, yeah. How Can I Be Down? How Can I Get Shot? Every time <laughs> those things went on, that was my time to shine. Red would, Red would, would, Red would go, and I'd fill in. And I'd be like, ooh. And the only thing Red would be like, don't play Onyx, throw your guns in the air. And I'd be like, oh. Damn, that's all I wanted to play. That's what I wanted to play, the hottest reggae in the city. And I'd be like, why we can't play that? He goes, I have a child. And there's no way I could support rappers that support oh guns. God. Like, this is my early days of, like, listening to a parent. He's not red alert no more. He's, like, the parent. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, shoot. And by the way, I, mean, listen, yeah. I understand where he's coming from. No, I, I get it I, now. It was a rock. Why, is, I, your parent, why but, is your child up at midnight listening to the radio? But at that time. You need to fix your house. No, but you see, that's me, remember? Remember I said one in the morning listening to the radio? Yeah. Right. That's us. Right. So, yeah. so they are going to find a way to hear. 100%. And they did go pick him up, pick him up, bring him home. Dead. Dead. Shine them up, shine them up, shine them all head. head. One gun. Two guns. Three Three guns. guns. Four. That's a lot of guns. Think about it. It's a lot of guns. (laughs) Wait, so you only filled in for Red Alert when he was away? I was only filling for Red when I was away. What about regular? What were you doing regular weeks when he was there? Carrying his crates? Were you like helping him out? No, 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 bro. No, no. I mean, the most I got to do was like, I set him up. I would go into the, the, the lockers and pull out these big cart machines. And on these carts were promos and drops. Okay, and then in between that, he would cut and scratch, and then oh, he, you were there. I was there. when he was on. Yeah. Oh, so you didn't only just come in when he was away. My into the building was I worked in the promo department, driving a van. So I was a promo dude, really working for Kiss. Yeah, I worked in the van. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, me Not, and I mean me and who? Big Henry Brown. We used to and my man Kai and Kevin. Those were the guys, the street team. What about um? And we had battles in the streets back in those days. Yeah, like, the street team back. I would then pull was, up in the sound system and I'll I'll drown the other. Radio stations, system. You go up against BLS? Yeah, easy. Like, <laughs> with the van, because our van had a banging system. It did. And you would pull up, and then we'd, like, take down their postal boards or take down, or we'd do things in front of their, like, what are they, what are they called back then? Uh, in stores. Yeah. Like, you know. Oh, the in stores. Like oh, yeah. that, in stores at Dr. J's, we pull up at Dr. J's. Right, so all the stations are showing <laughs> to the yeah, in store. Exactly. Just yeah, exactly. It'd be the funniest thing, but it'd be the best thing for the customers. The fact that you were on the other side of it, like you were already in that building, must have felt like magic. 1440 Broadway was the address to Kiss FM, and it meant everything to me. Right across the street from Bryant Park. Wow. That's how, many years, how many years of Kiss? Maybe early 90s, and then uh, at 94, the lights went out. 94, and you went straight to hot? No. Oh, I, went straight, I went straight to Europe. I, I, oh, we went I, BIGs between. I, I lost my job. I felt like Cypher when he left hot. He went E-Pray. You went to E-Pray Love in Europe? Then, no, I'm going to tell you what happened. So on my last radio show, I get a fax. This is how old it was. Okay, I love A fax facts. comes in. DJ Enough, would love to book you in Switzerland. Can you please call? And I don't know why I had this stupid accent, but. It's Switzerland. Anyway, so in my mind, now this is Brooklyn enough before I had any education, right? And I'm like, 
you know, who the fuck listens to hip hop in Switzerland? Yeah. Right. And this is me thinking, I'm thinking blonde hair, blue eyed chicks selling cheese, chocolate, and yogurt. Yep. You're not all and wrong. It, yeah. But it was that for, was there. For, Except for, they love hip hop. But that's what it was. But then when I get there, it's nothing but Latins, Africans, yeah. and I don't know what, maybe Dutch, like Middle East and whatever they, also, yeah, yeah, it was just crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I meet this incredible DJ, DJ Cutkiller from Paris at my party. Me and him turned this party upside fucking down. Okay. For the next 12 uh, years, I'm DJing every year in Paris with fucking DJ Cutkiller. It's crazy. That's when, what's his name, Jamal? Yeah, Jamal from Stress used to yeah. come, you know, because me and Cipher would part of the same. Jamal from Stress, you're Jamal. Yeah, yeah. me and me, That's me, me and Cipher, me and Cipher in the same fucking crew at the time. We yeah. part of Flip Squad DJs, and I'm literally traveling in the world after I got my gig taken away from me. So I was like, "Fuck it, all right, I lost my radio shit, but I'm traveling the world now." Damn, but you caught the right moment where like hip hop, because all those European guys were like either bootlegging, they were popping though, radio tape, they were, and they were fucking. People used to tape the radio and mail it to different countries, yo. Just tape the radio. Listen, I go to a record store. You see, let alert, Chuck, chill out. Let alert, Yeah, just Chuck, hours of radio. Let alert, Chuck, chill wow. out. I'm like, yo, everything. Yo, and so, by the way, I, I asked Camillo earlier for things to ask oh, you. Oh, yeah. Okay, he got some questions. Camillo came through with two things that you just brought up. His first two questions. Number one, who were the Flip Squad DJs? Number two, did he live in France for a while? Oh shit! So, did you live in France at any point? No, I was. I just felt like I was there forever. I mean, I probably went there fifteen times out of my career, compared to like maybe twelve in Japan. Those are the two most visited countries I've ever been outside of the, you know, the United States. Yeah, and Cut Killer was. Yeah, this is because you went to Cut- Switzerland and you met Cut Killer, yeah, and then so that became your French. That was connection. because of my French connection. French connection. Yeah. Wow. Uh, are you guys close to this day? Um, not close, but we still you know connect with each other. We just reconnected this last. Over the winter, yeah, and and so <laughs> and so, who were the Flip Squad DJs? This is so weird. Uh, Why our lives are so similar? Because I have the same relationship with Tim Westwood. Of course, you know what I mean. Like Spanish guys interning yeah. at a radio yeah. station, <laughs> going to Europe with the biggest DJs. So weird, brother. You were DJing for Little Kim. I know you did. Of course, I he did. Little Kim. Oh, of course, my God. Like, he never joke. told you that. That's a joke. That's a joke. <laughs> oh, you you asshole. He, he, says he says it all the time. Everybody. Bro, oh my God. <laughs> Bro. But it was, was a big deal for us. It was a big deal for us. It sets off the stories. But yo, this weekend yo. I was in Houston. This guy yells out from the crowd, Did you have a DJ for Little Kim? It's like a joke on our show. And people are like, What the fuck is but happening? No, no, I never put together until this very second. You were under flex. Puerto Rican dude, under flex, DJed for Kim. Puerto Rican dude. Under red alert, yep. DJ for Biggie. Yeah. Yes, sir. Like, I never put That's that it. together. That's it. That's it. So funny. So okay. So so I, we have to get to the Biggie part then. So mm-hmm. so you're you're doing these shows in Europe. Wait, so so Kiss FM. Wait, why was it lights out? It was lights out for you? Well, or? because officially Hot ninety seven bought. Oh, Kiss that's FM. when they bought when they uh, bought Kiss. Right. So right. So okay. they couldn't rehire us. They put a freeze on the Kiss FM manager right. part of it. Right. No hiring, okay, no what, okay. firing, no whatever. So then this is my last show. I'm DJing. I get the facts. That's go, a crazy go thing to, to get. Yeah, so the it's The facts amazing. on the last day. Yeah, it's amazing. So it's almost like on your last podcast, you said, me, I wait till the next thing is... No, I wait till it's over until I go into the next thing. You, you said that on your podcast. So I was like, I, I was happy I didn't have to go through that process. It just naturally yeah. happened. Who so, went with you to Switzerland? Um, that, I don't remember. It's probably Jamal. 
At that time? Maybe at that time. Mm. Well, maybe after that, but, but it was somebody like that. I don't think Pat went with me to that one. That's your first time to Europe? First time. You had a passport already? No, I had to, you had get to go one. get go yeah, get a passport. Get I had to get everything ready, take the photo, get everything, Damn. fill out the applications, all that shit. That's crazy. And I remember getting stopped in Paris because I was making mixtapes back then, and I have all these mixtapes on me. And they're like, "What is this?" And I'm like, "Music, take it for free. No, not for sale. No, not for sale. Just take it." I, I think I gave half my my uh, cassette collection to the uh, custom. Billy, when agents. a mic breaks on the guest, you jump the, in and fix to it. To the custom agents in 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 Paris. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and wait, how much would you sell them for in Europe? I mean, it would depend. You know, you go to a store, you take a bulk of them or just maybe take one as a master. It could be anywhere from 500 bucks a pop to maybe 25, 30 bucks a cassette. That's pretty good. Man. It depends. Yeah. I can't believe how much mixtapes were sold for on the streets of mm-hmm. New York. Yeah. Like Capri tapes. And then they always ask me, hey, how come DJ Clue's not here? How come, you know, like I guess some of the DJs weren't making their rounds to Europe, but they were, they were definitely in demand. Definitely, nah, you know them hood dudes. I ain't going over I'm there. I'm not going over there. Yet. I ain't going over there. He asked about yeah, Duop. It's corny about, over there. Yeah, Tony, I think Tony Touch, Metal Alert were the only regulars. Like, Duop. He went. Duop no, no, go? I said Tony Touch. Tony Touch. Yeah, yeah Duop was like, but I'm watching. The, I'm watching the news right now, smoking weed. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, no, no, we know, but. <laughs> Jamal used to say, like, knock on Duop's door in the hotel. Yo, we got to go. Hold on, I'm watching the news. All right, so the Flip Squad DJs yeah, were. Yeah, so tell us who, okay. who, how, who they are and how they started. I don't know about how they started, but Cypher Sounds. Uh, I'm the last one. Big Cap. Big Cap. DJ Riz. Uh, Frankie Cutlass. Budokan at one time. Budokan. Right from DC. Um, Mad Wayne. Mad Wayne. Rest in peace, Mad Biz. Wayne. Biz. Biz Markey. What about uh, 9MM? Oh, uh, no. He wasn't a DJ. And then in the very His end. His name was DJ 9 M. Not DJ 9 M. He was a rapper. In the very oh, the end, MC I think we added Mark Ronson in the very end. He was the end of Mark it. Ronson, Mark Ronson, yeah. yeah. Big Juan App listener. He's listening, so shout yeah. him out. He's shout out to Mark. Shout yeah. him out. Yeah, no, I, see, up, Mark? I see Mark well, in the, at the Grammys. Yeah, I said doop too, yep. Flex, Cap, Enough. Biz. Biz, Mad Wayne. Oh, yeah, maybe. I felt like there's more. The only person that was missing kind of around us was maybe Lovebuck Starsky. But he wasn't like an official member. Right, yeah. He was around book Jessica booked them yeah, a lot. Yeah. So a wait, lot. was Flip Squad all Jessica DJs? Yes. Yeah, Jessica yes. managed the Flip. She created it. She created with Flex. Flex. Yeah. They were DJs she managed. Got it. Yeah. That's Flex's first iteration of a DJ crew. Yes. Yeah. Before there were pit bulls and before, lit digital DJs. Before and, pit bulls and lit digital DJs. That's yeah. why. So Heavy Hitters was created because DJ Enough never got an invite to be part of the famous <laughs> pit bulls. Well, well, hold on. Let's not get there. Yeah, right? But that's, <laughs> that's coming up next. That's coming up <laughs> right, cool. We'll talk Stay about tuned. that. Stay tuned. We got a lot. We'll talk okay. about that. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how we get there. Um, all right. So you, you said that the biggie part came between radio stations, right? At this point, I'm doing uh, the Hot 97 Morning Show with Miss Jones. Ed, no. Ed, yeah, yeah. I'm going to tell you how. I was, it was Ed Lover, Miss Jones, Kurt Flirt, and Fat Man Scoop. We kind of was like, that was the next wave of the morning show. Uh, Star and Buckwild was doing the 5 a.m. Right? Stuff, pre-morning the show, pre-morning yeah. show before the morning show. Yeah. And we had a, a Hot 97 thing yearly that we called the Players Ball. Remember that? Yeah. So I'm at the Players Ball, and then Puffy comes to me at the Players Ball because Mary J. Blige's My Life album is out that same weekend. Okay. And he approaches me and says, hey, why don't you come on the road with Big? So I'm looking really? at him. Yeah, so I'm looking at him like. That came through Puff? Came through Puff. Why you? 
I don't know. Now, to keep in mind, Biggie only has party and bullshit out, maybe juicy, maybe unbelievable. That's it. He's like not the super, remix, yeah. he's not the superstar king yet. Right, right, he's right. on his way. He has a big buzz. The and buzz he's is buzz. big, though. He's big. Like buzz he's big. buzzing. But in my mind, yeah, I'm thinking I'm Hollywood. I'm, yeah. I'm the kid no longer local. I just got my shot. I'm on Kiss FM radio. I'm the fucking guy now. This yeah. is my shot. So I don't know if I want to work for, yeah. for the B.I.G. yet. I don't know. I'm really thinking about it. And then I talked to a few heads. He's like, I ah, just do it. If you believe in him, you think he's... I said, I think he's dope. I think he has something. But are, you already knew Puffy from doing parties I and stuff. I knew Puffy from parties. And Biggie I knew from... There was a party on 13th Street between Park and Broadway. It might have been Suede. But prior to Suede, it was the Pussycat Club or Cat Club. Where the movie theater is at, right across the street. No, I know, the, I know Suede. I know but Suede before that, it was that, called the Pink Pussycat Club yeah. or something like that. It was a predominantly white party that were playing soulful music at the time. And it wasn't like Soul Kitchen or like that, but it was very similar to it. And Biggie was trying to get into the party. And um, he didn't have no ends. Him and M.O.P. I'm the DJ who has to connect in the plug. I know the guys. I know oh, the promo dudes. Let's go to the white party. I'm like, oh. yo, my man. This guy's Biggie Smalls. He just got signed to Puff's new label. He's at Uptown MCA. And I remember specifically saying Uptown MCA. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Right? This is before Arista, before Bad Boy. Yeah. This is Uptown MCA. And I was like, I promise he's not going to start no shit. He's a good guy. He just wants to come and have a good time. This is some good music. So I co-signed him, and he just loved me from that day on. Dude, what about the other two guys? Right? Those guys might kill you. <laughs> Who, the M.O.P. dudes? <laughs> yeah, and dance, oh, I'm, I'm not too sure about those guys, <laughs> but it was like a Carl Kanai hoodie fest. It was like Brooklyn is coming <laughs> in to do that thing. Fame that told him about Pop from the barbershop. Is that who's talking about when he says that? Yeah. Yes, He's yes. talking about Fame? Yeah, him yeah. and Fame were like this. Yeah. They were that close? Yes, sir. Fame and, um, and Biggie was super close with um, uh, the, the Smith, Smith & Wesson guy. Uh, tech tech. Oh wow They're tech. all tight They're all tight Yeah So so you get them Into the club And that was how You got to know Biggie It's just love And then the I met him prior Because me and Cap DJed Biggie's Single release party For Party and Bullshit mm. And that was through Jessica Rosenblum also And then I got the cassette From Big At the, at the party Which, which Yo, cassette? This, ready to Die Yo this is my album I need you to do Whatever you want with it And let everybody know It's coming That's crazy You know what I do? What'd you do? I go to Kiss FM radio and I get that bitch cleaned up and we play it on the radio. Wow. And then the warm line. I'm like, oh shit, the warm line. And then I'm like, I'm not paying no mind. Then the hot line. I'm like, oh shit, I gotta pick that up. It could be the boss. I pick it up, it's puffy. What the fuck are you doing? Playing my B.I.G. shit, nigga. I'll fucking kill you. It sounds like puff. So I'm like, <laughs> now this is. This is early DJ enough who doesn't understand a marketing plan or yeah. a single rollout, whatever monies you put into laying out your shit, the merchant. Yeah, apparently Biggie didn't understand that either. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> no, exactly. No, he didn't. And he didn't give a fuck. Biggie was just yeah. happy to, just, his course. album was complete. Here, yeah. take my shit. I love yeah. you. Have a great time with it, Brooklyn. Yeah. And this is why it's baffling to me. Because you said, out of all the DJs, why you? Right? Yeah. Why did Puffy come to me? After he cursed me out. Right. So I'm thinking, I don't have no relationship with Puff. This guy hates me right yeah. now. And then a couple of weeks later, he the same guy who hates me asks me to become Big's DJ and go on the road with him. So you decided to do it. I decided to do it. First show, Washington D.C. Let's go. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what, what, what venue? Remember? I don't know. Hotel. Wait, how hotel was the, how was the rehearsal? No rehearsal. 
<laughs> I know. No fucking I rehearsal. Never. None. Never. No rehearsal. How was the meeting? How was the big meeting where you broke everything <laughs> down? Nothing. 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 The white passenger nothing. Van. It was a white piece of paper, <laughs> and they wrote the songs, and they gave you the paper, and that's it. That was my whatever. I think I might have talked to Clark Kent because Clark Kent was the DJ prior. Wait, so why'd they move on from Clark Kent then? Because Clark Kent was very busy and he started to become the AR oh, guru. Producing. He was producing records. Right. But he had Jay Z signed to. He started to be the AR. Then he was doing shit at East West. Right, right, he right. He just came out of doing original flavor, a bunch of shit. He was busy. So, first gig is at a hotel in DC. Yeah. Shootout. Pa, 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 pa. Come on. Outside before the show. Not at the show. Did but the show outside. happen still? The show still happened. But I'm like, what the fuck? So, I'm on my way to the show. I'm carrying vinyl, a vinyl bag. And I take the wrong two copies of Roger and Zap, uh, Computer Love, because I need it for me and my bitch when I'm cutting. You were already doing, you guys uh, already, he, you guys did the, uh, that yeah. was always from the beginning, that was early old. on. Yeah, because remember I told you, I, I learned from Clark. Clark had some dope remixes of Biggie's performances before anybody came to do any remixes. And it was like, you know, like the Al B. Shore sample into... Uh, was it one more chance? Like, there was a bunch of versions that he had that I was like, yo, I need that, bro. He never gave them to me, but it was just amazing how he... So the, the, the computer love was a thing. And I remember having that on album only. Oh, uh, no, you had to play and it off the, the so, full album? So I had to play it off the full Greatest Hits album, and, I had, and it was horrible because it's like low quality. If you know about albums, y'all, yeah, albums, album. albums are on low quality, and low it was volume. like... Uh, Oh, you could, you, and you can't miss that. You, oh, can't, you can't miss that scratch. You gotta be. Or you'll end, up like, you. you'll end up like Big Cat That's having it. Biggie throw shit. <laughs> oh, oh man, that was the worst, bro. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll talk about that. Okay, too. so, so, um, so you do the DC show. Do you remember what, what, what? So it was all just the early album stuff. Yes, sir. The album was out. No, the album wasn't even out yet. No, the album was out already. Oh, okay. by the time I'm, you got on the road, with by the time on the road, unbelievable was out. Juicy was out. I think one more chance was just on the buzz. So he's buzzing, and then. Around yeah, I got to see Big Papa become the new single. Right. That, by the time Big Papa dropped, that's when the world to me fully came yeah. to to like Biggie's here. Yeah. Because remember, this is like I don't know I don't know if the beef started, but it was the Biggie and the Pac shit. Well it started because who shot is on the it single was, for, for it was it was Big Papa. It was happening. And I remember specifically us going to like certain neighborhoods, especially like Detroit, mad Tupac fans in Detroit. And then it's like, you know, like you perform and it's like the twos are up everywhere. Yeah. You know, we're performing, get money. People are throwing quarters at us. It's just weird. It's just weird. The vibe is just weird. Because Pac, I don't care what nobody says, Pac fans were cult yeah. Pac fans. Like it was a whole different kind of fanship. Yeah, that's not the Biggie fanship. No, it's not, it's it wasn't a, cultish. It's a, it's a whole he was just so thing. cool. Like everyone just fucking loved Biggie him. Biggie was party time. Yeah. It was par exactly. Oh, nah, he, he might be your favorite, yeah, but, but it wasn't nah, cult like. Pac yeah. fans were a, a different kind of breed. Yeah. They were almost like football fans. Yeah, yeah. right, right, right. That's a good you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like he was their team. Like, yeah, 100%. You just mentioned the Big Papa single. Yes, sir. So obviously, and, and you said that stuff was already getting weird with uh, Tupac. Yes, sir. Were you around for Who Shot You? Yes. For the recording? No. Because I remember, do you remember the first version I heard of it was on a nasty bootleg and it didn't have any of the As We Proceed, any nothing, of the puff. Nothing. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I never heard that. Oh, it's just nasty. I don't, I don't remember that. Really? It's literally just the dun dun. It just sounded like the Daylaw shit. You remember you. how Daylaw yeah. used it first? Yeah. It sounded much more like that. No puffy, very basic. And then by the time it came out for real, for real on single, it obviously had a, a, a bigger 
impact. Like, did you know at the time that was going to be a big deal? Who shot you? It was just like, this is a B-side underground. That's it. Yeah. Some street shit. Wait, yeah. did you hang with Biggie besides shows? A little bit. Not, a Not lot. much, right? Not a lot. Cause Cause I, didn't, I, didn't did like, you go- I didn't like hanging out with the... With the with the mafia? mafia? No, not that. It was it wasn't them. It was just like yeah. I remember. Look, the Brooklyn that I remember back in those days was a, a rougher, harder yeah. Brooklyn, and it wasn't always safe to be out True. by itself. You know, and like because like, did you ever go to the studio with Big? Yeah. The only the only sessions I saw was I was at Daddy's house when he was recording "Play a Hater" when he performed "More Money, More Problems." That's a good one to be here. That's kind of historic. Yo, but the crazy thing is when I heard more many more problems being chopped, I was like, this is horrible. <laughs> Yo, in my mind. But oh, then yeah. when you hear the song done, you're yeah. like, oh, it's amazing. Yeah. But when it I heard it for the chop. first time, I'm like, yeah. this is fucking weird. This is not, not, this is not gonna win. Yeah. But it actually went. Yeah, no, off. I can see that. Wait, and and um what about uh oh wait, didn't you do get money too? You didn't no, get money I, remix? I didn't get money in remix. Well, don't, don't, don't don't poo-poo that. I would say the get I'm money not poo-poo okay, it. Okay, good. I'm the get money remix is yet. almost as big as get money original. I mean, no, it, my point I mean, was it pushed it to, to platinum status. I know that for did? sure. Yes, hundred percent. My point was that when I I don't know if you guys know this, I used to DJ for Little Kim. Wow. Junior Mafia. <laughs> Amazing. But I never got invited to anything outside of show. Because you're never. a loser. I'm a loser, right? No, I definitely was way more raucousy yeah, underground that he right. enough was, was cool he definitely was like when enough got down with Biggie and he was from Brooklyn so he was already in the Brooklyn club and he was way cooler well, and by the way he, he was he was having a drink smoking cigarettes Sife was yeah, doing nothing I was, a, yeah. I was a fucking loser Sife was a fucking square but I never got invited like I remember we would do a show and then they were gonna go shoot the um the crush on you video and I was like, oh shit, I'm gonna get to go to video. My that plane was ticket at, uh, that was, was sent home. That was at Esso's. You were there? No. You weren't a crush no, on you? I either? went, I went, but I, I wasn't in video, but I was there. No, nah, they, they it was just to like me. You just nothing. look, you look around, you be a then before you know it, you're like, you know what? I'm in the way. Let me get the fuck out of here. This is really interesting because let's just be real. Everyone loves to talk about the DJ's the backbone. In a lot of nah. situations, the DJ for the artist is in an annoying shitty, overlooked, unglorious. It is. Yo, you could be oh, a DJ. Oh, you on the road with Little Kim. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. No, you could be DJing right now. There's someone out there who's DJing for one of the biggest artists in the world right now. No one knows who the fuck he is. No one cares. He has to carry the equipment. Oh, he has to make sure when you don't leave. Care. Your own team's leaving yeah. without you. Dog, I remember being in Virginia. It was a, a fucking all-out brawl, a big fight. Left they us. left me with two turntables, yeah. a mixer, four crates of records by myself. Yep. I've been there. By myself, bro. So I'm packing up while everybody's throwing haymakers and fighting and knives are being pulled and bottles are being broken. And I'm by myself packing up. Little old me. <laughs> it's crazy. Did you give, when uh, when Quiz went out with G-Eazy, did you give him any advice? Yeah, I said, don't do it. But then he, <laughs> but he did it. But he did it. He did it. He did it. He did it. Nah, you got Why would you say don't do it? I mean, it was just at the time. I mean, but, you know, I didn't he know. He ended up getting a good run out of it. No, he got a great run out of it. And then he actually toured the whole entire world. Yeah, he's nah, done the whole you world. Gotta fuck it. No, that's a whole different thing, man. But, you know, we know all the downsides to it. But as a young DJ, it's so fun, Yeah, but you man. know what? You're not, you're, not, you're not realizing that you're making history while you're going through the yeah, history. Yeah, of course. You're well, not. No. You're just living it. You're living it everyday life. Yeah. But so, you're not realizing that you're making history. How did Get Money Remix come about then? Me and my man Jiv. Jiv was from 39th and Glenwood. Yeah, Jiv. Jiv was Jiv, oh. Jiv used to also DJ for Little Kim too. 
after Cypher. Wow, really? After? Yeah, I think after. Or maybe before. Either or. No, no after. Wrong. I was first. He was wrong. As yeah. soon as she did her solo out of Judy Murphy, I was first. Uh, but you're right, yeah. Yes, he was there too. And I remember, oh, yeah. I remember Biggie used to clown me. Like, oh, we're already doing a show for Junior Mafia? And you think that's going to go well? Wait, <laughs> like, wait, 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 He would clown us. Wait, why? But it's his crew. Be, I know, but it don't make a difference. It's like wait, hold on. when Kim <laughs> and C's would reach out to me, to, 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 yeah, we got a little show or something. Without and, Big. Without Big. And they would ask and you to Big do would DJ. laugh like, oh, you think that's going to work out? <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I remember doing my first show with them. We're in Miami somewhere. And it was literally like Kim and Lil C's hiding underneath the tables. Oh, I heard about that. And it wasn't. Wait, why? Why were they hiding? Though we're we're not in Miami, Miami. Like yeah, we're, in, the we're hood. in we're in like the hood of Miami. This is not the Miami Beach that everyone knows. And right, this isn't glorious. This like is glamorous. not. No, 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 no. We're in the hood, and they didn't want to hear anything except the hits. But they only had one hit. They had only get money. No, two, two, two plays, 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 plays. Yeah, that's yeah. it. But it wasn't enough to. To uh, fulfill to a whole, whole show. Yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how long were you slated to do? Like 30 minutes? At least half an hour to 45 minutes. You know, <laughs> so you're there trying to do that with two songs. It's, it's kind of hard. Yeah. It's very rough. By the way, artists, if any artists are listening, that's a note to, to you. If you have one song to play, don't agree to 30 minute sets. Yeah. I did it. What do you mean? I did it with Nina Sky, bro. We, we made, made a fucking. How'd you do it, we, man? We would just do but you covers. Guys, but you guys were also creative, and that's where your DJ input. Yeah, and was it was also important. not. It was two girls singing. It wasn't like hip, uh, grimy hip hop. Right, 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 right. Yeah. It's a little easier, but you can make it work. You do a little DJ shit. You do some crowd participation. A cover, a cover shit, of something they know. Cover something. 100%, 100%. Remake. But, but Kim and C's weren't doing okay, that. Okay, so this time. is that's, not, so yet. Biggie, not yet. Really. You did the whole Biggie run. Right. Then he puts out Junior Mafia. Right. No one even really realized there was a difference. It was just another Biggie song with right. Kim and C's on it. So that's Players Anthem and then Get Money, which is crazy big. Right. Get Money. I remember the but first this time. Is, I'm going to tell you the real... The, was so, he doing Junior Mafia shows? He, a little bit here and there. The ones that he wanted to do. Unless he, there was a good bag or whatever. Like he took them to... Went to Amsterdam and Rotterdam with Junior Mafia. Yeah. That I remember. And, then and he we, went. Yeah. The headliners were Coolio. And Method Man. We were openers for them. That's crazy. And I remember specifically like Meth and Coolio getting 45, 35 Gs. I think we were probably only getting like five or 10 racks back then. Wow. It's just crazy the way the world turned. And then years later, Biggie ended up becoming the big guy. What do you think Biggie's biggest bag ever was performing? I know. I know. You know? Can't be more than 50. Why? Because I remember being with C's when before, right before Life After Death came out. And he was like, yo, we got this whole idea, right? We're going to do this show. Uh, who was the choreographer The big um, that had the TV show later on? She was like, oh, Leslie not, not, or... Not the... Not, uh, Debbie Allen. No, no. <laughs> you talking about uh, Tana, Tanisha? No, not her. Uh, Before her. her. Le Leslie or... Le Leslie was part of B... Uh, was part no, of... No, it it's another famous choreographer. Anyway, whatever. Okay. She was helping Biggie do choreography, but not dancing. Like... To help him work, like when the song starts, you're on this part of the stage, and when you get to your verse, you're on this part. She was putting the show together, right? And then C's was like, "Yo, we rehearsing, and um, yo, yo we gonna try to get like, we gonna get like seventy thousand, right?" And at the time, I was like, seventy thousand. That like now rappers get seventy thousand in a club, right? Like certain rappers, like the Migos, could get seventy thousand on a walkthrough. But back then, he said he's like, he's like, he's like Big's number. We gonna get like. 70 
Right, which means before that, the highest had to be 50. So he never, like they never got 70. And they got killed. But got killed before. But he was like, the number, I remember it was like 70. And I was like, that's amazing. Because I remember Kim sometimes would get like 30. And I was like, oh my God. That's and how much would you get? It? How much you get? It? Huh? Well, like 1%. <laughs> but she was getting 30 sometimes and that was huge okay so we, we got we, we got distracted so get money comes out gets all right. huge you know how it starts so the hottest mixtapes were popping in, in our vehicle all the time if I didn't have a mixtape available we went to this whatever was cracking and doo-wop 95 live part 2 was out and somebody was rapping on Dennis Edwards oh yes um Wow. Uh, don't look any further. Don't look any further. So who rapped on it? I forgot, but Biggie heard it. I think it was like, Keith Murray talking about Foxy Brown giving him head. <laughs> but it was just amazing. And then Big was like, yo, E, you think you could flip that? I said, of course. Ooh, let's flip that. So then we flipped it, and they came out to get money lyrics. How long between he asked you that and before they recorded it? Maybe a weekend. That's and crazy. That's how thirsty we were. And then we were recording at Hit Factory back then. But you so did it with, we did it with Jiv Poss. Yeah, me and Jiv. I remember he went to the basement, went to Jiv. Jiv's basement. And we started, look, we started chopping up Dennis Edwards so much because back in those producer days, we weren't trying to jack records. We were yeah. trying to live, we were trying to be, flip them. Flip them, right? And then Biggie was like, nah, man, we're not doing that. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> remember, he's Puff's guy. So yeah. Puff's used to jacking everything, right? Jack, he yeah. goes, dog, we're going to have to clear the sample anyway. Right. So just take the shit. So then I, it went from, the, the echoes and the chopping yeah. to just give Dude. me a couple of good loops and a couple loops. of little bridges. And you put and the dope drums to it, it though. That's it. Yeah. And when you hear it, yeah, I'm playing it right now if you guys want to hear it. And when you hear it, you didn't do that much. No, not much. Enough. We just add some shakers to it and that's it. But the only thing with that I would have done differently to this day, I added too much filter on the, on the process. You, had, you added too much filter? Yeah. Wait, what was filtered? Like you hear that, you hear that background. It's like muffled. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, the bass line. Yeah. So when you hear it in a big sound system, it sounds very bassy and woofy. And I would have changed some of the eight hundred eights too. Who made That's the genius it. decision to leave in this initial ad lib for when he starts the? Oh, oh, oh. That shit. This is what oh, makes the song to me. Here we go. Oh. I just want everybody to know I'm, I'm, I'm proud to admit who I am as a human being. <laughs> I never heard this song on God's green earth until until Get Money Remix. Really? Never. Oh, yeah. We, we have this long, we have many discussions about he doesn't know about like black barbecue music. Yeah, no? I don't know I mean, that. Yo, he dog. don't know those songs. He didn't know Juicy. He's, was from, like, he's from Maryland. They got that over there. Yeah, he, was, he wasn't hanging out with them. See the difference? They see how heavy it sounds? Yeah. Yeah, but, but E, this was a banger, though. And the best part to me at the time, because I'm working at the radio station, when he goes, I'm hot 97, Rob, I'm ready. I'm like, yes. <laughs> I'm like, yes. Were you there when you recorded it? No. Oh, the, a story just came out recently. Yeah. C's was on Math Hoffa. What they were saying. And he was talking about how Big wrote the rhymes for, for C's, obviously. Oh, yeah. C's says he didn't right. rap. And Biggie, but he was saying how much like Biggie like looked out for him. Yeah. He stood in the studio four hours writing 100%, his verse. 100%. 100%. C's verse. He really killed this too. And a bottle of Dom P. A peeping on me is Brooklyn in the house without a doubt. I'm the rapper with clout. Everybody rap about. Guns I bust them. Problem with my wife. Don't discuss them. Coops and lead jets. I lust them. Woo! Woo! 
Pissy mattress. It's okay. Not here. Hot 97. Rom ready. I love how fucked up the line is. I didn't even dawn on me till recently how fucked up it is that he says it's okay. She was old anyway. Yeah, it's okay. She's like, like he nah, sell, he, yeah. I had to kill her, but don't yeah. worry, she's old. It didn't even matter. <laughs> so do you can you like visualize and actually picture him doing that record? Like you remember? Yeah, the actual obsession. I remember that. It was a lot of food, weed everywhere. Everyone said that. it was. Was it really a party a lot when he a did lot. shit? Yeah, but think about it. Girls around too. Look, look who his friend is or his crew is. It's Junior right. Mafia, so he's always with the mafia. Yep. And then you got uh, Wayne Barrow, Mark Pitts, uh, those guys. Would Hulk. Puff be around or no? Puff would pop in once in a while. How, how often was Puff around? Generally, only for the big stuff. You know, that was the other parties to break my heart. So we do. I tour around the whole entire world with Big. And then when we come back to do our New York shows, he take me off the bill and yeah. put Clark Kent oh, back oh, in. And I'd we're be, the same and I'd guy. Be, and I'd be pissed as hell. Yo, we would come back to New York shows and yeah. they would get Clark to do them. Yeah. And we're like, I was just with you in fucking scumbag Mississippi <laughs> and I don't get to do the New York shows? Yeah, it was, it was crazy. That, man. Yo, you guys crazy. both had the exact <laughs> same shit and it was Clark for both of you? Remember, so, because it was Puff. Because it was Puff. Look, for Puff. look, Clark was the bigger DJ. Now, at this point, I'm clear. Yes. But back then, living through it, I was pissed. Right. Yeah. I'm like, yo, I went through shootouts with these guys. Right. I went exactly. through fist fights and fights, and we're missing flights and tour buses, and the tour bus breaking down, and people died that year. Like, and I can't do the Apollo show? Are you kidding right, right. me? I can't do Man. the Apollo. It was like, what the fuck? You, did, you do, um, did you do the show in the movie The Show? No. That was Clark. Mummy goes, Clark Kent, one time. time. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> they get the ad uh, on it. And that ends up on the soundtrack, too. Oh, uh, yeah. On the show soundtrack. When I met you. Yeah. Were you tight about that? No. That one would have gotten no, me tight. I wasn't tight no, about that. But not that. doing the New York shows. Because that was, that was done way before I was even around. Oh, really? That was way, yeah. It was, I was pre- that was just when Clark was still DJing yeah, for him. Yeah, 100%. So you and Big didn't like hang out socially a lot. Not but much. That, but it was, but. but also, he, he was a kid. Right, Big was way younger than you, right? Oh, yeah, Which, pretty- yeah. And Junior Big, Mafia, like Big was like three, four years younger than me. C- I mean, C's was like seven wow. years he younger was, than you. Like, yeah. How do you like think of your relationship with him? I think from a professional standpoint, it was incredible because I know I wasn't there for him all the time because we alternated as disc jockeys during that era. Like there would be some weeks Cap would go and some weeks I would go. Yeah. So I was double booked on two tours. I was on the show tour with Def Jam. And then I was on um, Biggie's tours, you know, so I kind of rotated back and forth with those tours. Who was on the show tour? It was uh, Foxy Brown. Keith Murray. Jimmy Henchman. (laughs) Jimmy Henchman. Henchman. Yeah, Jimmy Henchman. And he had a Bulletproof Love record with some girl named, is it Shanice? Shanice, I didn't even know. I didn't know Jimmy Henchman had records. Yeah. Well, he he had a a label or something. Uh, It was uh, Ghostface, Raekwon. uh, Onyx. Some of the Onyx guys were on there. Uh, damn, who else so was on there? Meth and Red. Meth, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Meth and Red. And I'm missing somebody else. But Is there was, any worse? You were the DJ for the tour? For the tour. Not for each artist. No, I was, just like, I was like the DJ. DJ enough who would just be doing his thing between right, that. Act, yeah. Yeah. Is there any worse sound? Is it, you guys might totally disagree. And knowing Sife, will be like, I like that version better. But for me, is there anything worse than when you're going through your Serato Siphon never happened. Also, he's too organized. And you hit how high, 
and it's the regular version. <laughs> well, do you probably love the regular original version? I, only because I saw Duop play it, not by mistake. Like he played the regular one and it hit. It hit, it, and I was it, like, "Oh shit!" Like it's it does like hit more for street. some people. Yeah, I mean, this is a long time ago, but yeah, because because that fly Robin fly was yeah, like, that's no, that's fire. Yeah, that's fire. It was. Um, so, so you said professionally, you consider it great. Yeah, because I remember, remember I told you we went back and forth on these different tours, and then it was a few weeks I wasn't on the road with him, and I came back to New York to go to a vibe party. He's at this vibe party, so Big and his dip silks and Versace clothes and gaiters, whatever he just happens to have on, gets on his hands and knees at the vibe party, begging for me to go back on the road with him. So I felt like, oh, I'm the man. Oh, no, but listen. But Wait, hold on. Like, he literally, he, he did it like he put on a show for you? Like he really yes, wanted you to? Yes, yes. Like, brother, please, you got to come back on the road with me, please. But were and you then, not on the road with him? No, I wasn't on the road with him at oh. the time. I was kind of like on and off. I was like, you Are, are you able, but are you able to really process even now, all these years later, because it was your life, that literally the most important, I'm sorry, I would say the most important figure maybe ever in hip-hop, jokingly got on his hands and knees to beg you to go. D- like, that would be like someone having a story of like, Elvis got down and begged me to be play lead yeah, guitar. You crazy. know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's crazy. fucking that's, insane. But Big Cap was not a good DJ as far as do you, like- Do you have the word respectfully? I no, love, you know what it is? No, no, Big Cap was a great DJ. From, I didn't from, finish my uh, sentence. Yeah, go ahead, go back. Go ahead. For like for being an artist DJ to be like organized and fucking He wasn't a technical DJ. Party DJ, he would rock because he knew yeah. all the records to play, even though they were scratched up. He treat And he, he had just, a voice. He had a voice. Oh, too. His voice all right, all right. But but yeah, as a <laughs> like like the whole the if you don't know what we're talking about, there's a video of Biggie doing like a summer jam in like the Bay Area. And Cap's records kept skipping. Skipping. By the way, it was hot. He the record was melting. Wasn't the were the records melting? Yes, but also he did not keep good care of his records. Right. He, he never put his pile, records back in his sleeve. He never just have a pile like never. this of non-covered records. I'm gonna tell you one thing. I believe, and I'm I'm guessing, but I believe Scythe, enough and myself all have in common as DJs. We're clean. We're not shoving records not in a jacket properly. No, like no. my records are going in the white sleeve. Me too. I'm not sticking them. People would take doubles and stick them both outside no, the white no, sleeve. No, no, no. You're getting. If I stick two records in one jacket, the they're both in, the, in the white sleeve. And be, or in between. The in between. Oh. I'll do, do one in you between. You do between? Yeah, yeah I'll do, do one I would in just between. stick both white sleeves in the one oh, jacket. that's crazy. Because I wanted the white sleeve to protect it. Because otherwise, you're on stage and it's skipping, and now Biggie's throwing shit at you. What at you? Biggie's getting the crowd to boo you. Yeah. Yo, was Cap? Was what? Do you guys know was Cap actually tight about that, or did was he just was just part of their relationship? I don't know. I think they left him in the airport on purpose one time. Oh yeah, they did leave him in the airport. Yeah, but he didn't care. He's he's Cap. He smoked weed. So so Biggie was a bit of a uh, a prankster, also. Hundred percent. Shit talker, prankster, fucking with you. Hundred percent. Did you ever get fucked with on the road? One time. What happened? Cleveland, Ohio. We do a show at the water. There's a marina. Boats pull up at the show. And I do Who Shot You or some other record skips. Okay. At this time, I'm doing the show only on vinyl. You would get test presses of the album no, instrumentals? No, we, we just had instrumentals. But album instrumentals? The stuff, stuff was out. Yeah, so you have singles. The stuff was out. These were oh, singles. All singles. Yeah, there was okay. no special version. But anyway... The, 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 the stage was was made of these cubes. It wasn't like a straight up stage. And the, the cubes were supposed to be so that if something was bouncing or uneasy, it wouldn't give vibration to the turntables or the watch yeah, setup. Yeah. Biggie was 500 plus, okay? When he walked on the stage, he shook the stage. <laughs> but 
I'm the disc jockey. Biggie can't get blamed for the fucking music getting skipped. I'm responsible for yeah. that. So he told me, if I don't get my shit together, he's docking me $500 every time from my pay. So I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> and that was, that was the way he did it. Man, the first time was the first time he did it was on stage, like you know, like the, the, like the crowd is booing and they were like, "Boo that motherfucker!" That's so the he, reason so, why. So you got the exact same treatment that Cap got a little bit, at least and once. Me. But one time and one time only. It never after that. I, I Clark Kent taught me a, a trick. He said, "Pre-record the show on that and just have it." So if you're ever in a, in a sticky situation, just play the dad. So if the setup is one that you know is going to be skipping. Yes, yes. Look, brother, I didn't have the instant replay machine out at the time. Right. Um, they had it, but I wasn't bringing it out at the time. CDJs were available, but I didn't have no CDJ controller. So a skip is a skip. You're a, fucked. That's, that's it. it. That's it. That's it. Serato wasn't out then. <laughs> Wait, but I love this idea, though, that Biggie gets on stage. He's the reason it skips. And you have to get booed by the crowd. And I got to get booed by the crowd. Yeah, like, yeah. Everybody say, fuck the DJ. And I was like, I came with you. <laughs> I'm not some local guy you just picked up at the airport. Wait, enough. What's the story of some kind of beef or a shootout or something? And then you, did you lose your passport? Okay, we had a big fight somewhere. I forgot what city. We all lost our passports. Mm. Um, and I know this for a fact because the lawyers had contacted us. Right, and they were right. That's to, how they found they you. They were trying to get us to pay some money or something, or yeah. they were trying to sue us, but I ain't paying no mind. Then they, well, stopped. you lost your passport, so did you have to rent a car or drive out or something? Um, no, I lost my passport, and we, we were domestically in the States, so it wasn't oh, like, oh. I, I not, it wasn't like it was a... Oh, that's how somewhere. they found you for the lawsuit. Yes. Okay. I, I, have an imp- I have a real dilemma right now, and I need your feedback, Scythe. It's... it's we're currently we're currently 23 minutes away from the hard time that you guys said you yeah. had to go. Yes, sir. 23 minutes. I know what you're going to say. Do we just say we are definitely going to do this again and like set a date in a couple of weeks? Whatever you want. I'm no, down. Mind you, anytime we've ever said we're going to do we, part we two, never do we've it. never done it. So it's like, like we would, to be continued and then the show just gets canceled. I'm very professional, bro. I, I know you Is are. Is that your fault? No, are you having fun? Would you want to do this more? 100%. So if we said literally we're going to do this again in two weeks I'm down. and pick it back up, I'm like down. on a Friday, maybe again. I'm down. Because here's the thing. We, I want to get back to those flex stories and the pit bulls. Got so many. And we haven't mentioned the name Kanye West has not come up we have, yet. We're, we're still in 95. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're still in 95, bro. I remember I uh, they they... I remember, I wanna, I'm not going to tell you right now, I'll tell you part two, when Tracy came in to Flex's show and I was there and she said she was wanted to hire DJ Enough. And she, I know that story. And she asked if, if you guys knew me. <laughs> and then I remember going to a party. I came through the DJ Riz camp and then I was Funk Flex Big Cap World, which two very different styles of DJing. And I went to a party on 14th Street. 14th. Yes, sir. And I went and, and I saw DJ and Enough. 14th and 9th. Yes. And I heard Enough play and I was like, what is this? What style is this? And then the most important thing about it was he was having so much fun. Riz, I don't think Riz smiled ever. I never saw Riz smile in my life. Riz was a, Riz is AI before AI. Yeah. Riz is a fucking DJ robot that every second of every beat of every was on point. And then Cap was just sloppy, but fire for the streets. And Flex was like, "How yo, I got to. Flex taught me how to turn the lights of the DJ booth onto your face because you have to be seen. 
right? So it's a different style. But Enough was rocking and having so much fun. Throw some salsa on. Throw some house. And by the way, pop- Enough is a super, for anyone listening, not from New York, Enough is a super fucking clean DJ, clean. too. It's clean. Thank you, guys. Every DJ has a, a signature scratch. Like, you have a signature with your name. I can tell who's DJing by... The scratches. The cuts and scratches. That's the dope. That's dope. When I used to fill in for Flex, I mastered copying his scratches so people didn't know it was, it was me. Oh, really? I used to copy Flex's scratches because everything I did was copying Flex. <laughs> I didn't know what else to do except to copy Master Flex. Um, so, all right. We talked about Get Money Remix. Mm-hmm. You also did your Nobody Till Somebody Kills You originally. Yes, sir. You don't have the credit on the album though, right? Yeah, well, I do. You do have full credit? Co-producer. Yes, sir. Co-producer. Yeah. With Puff? Yes, um, and Stevie J and, Stevie and J. Derek D. Angeletti and Faith Evans, <laughs> myself and Jiv. That's the way it went back in the days. If yeah. you wanted to be on the album, if you didn't take it, then they would leave it. That's so who it was. really did the record hands on? You and Jiv? Me and Jiv. No, there's a, the, the version they did. I, I remember I went to Jiv's. Oh, because there's an original. Yeah, there's, 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 original, two, there's both mixes. There's original, I went to Jiv's there's original studio Billy, in the Billy, basement. Billy Preston sample. And um, I think at the time, Billy wanted more than... I think the Biggie estate was willing to cough up. Yep. So then I think D Dot and Stevie J and them replayed everything, which just bended the rules a little bit, gave it a different sound, but still ended up. It's still the generally the yeah. same song. Yeah, for the most yeah. part. Yeah. Sif, you were saying? No, I went to Jiv's studio. Jiv, actually, now I'm thinking about Jiv taught me a lot how to use the MPC. Like when I wanted to learn how to produce, he was like, "Come to the come to the crib, and I'll show you how to do it." And then he played me that beat. But it was like way harder than and the it was. One that's it on was the very sad. I'm a big hearing. They was like, "You hear how sad that sounds?" I was like, "I love this." That's crazy. And I was like, "Wow." Yeah. He was like, "Enough. We're gonna make some money together. I'm ready." And I was like, "Yes, I'm gonna win." And then he dies. Yeah, he just fucking dies. Destroys my. Were you gonna Were you gonna thing. DJ for him for the second album? Supposed to be, yeah. Wow. They have that. They, they talked about like us wearing suits, and then him. Coming out of a coffin. That's what I'm telling you. That's yeah. what the lady who's yeah. choreograph- yeah. choreographing it. Chore- mm-hmm. Choreographing it. That's right. So there you go. They, so they sure. were talking about all that stuff way, way, yeah. way in advance. Yeah. So, so how fucked up were you off of his death? I almost quit everything. I was literally in the handball courts where I grew up in Brooklyn, smoking weed, drinking beer, like 11 a.m. in the morning, just sitting Damn. there, sitting there doing nothing and blaming it all on hip hop. You know what I mean? Right. Instead of life, but just blaming it all on hip hop. I wanted no parts of it. I was just tired. What a weird experience to mourn the death of someone you know mm-hmm. as the entire world is mourning the death of who to them is essentially just a celebrity. That Was that a weird experience? Because everyone's talking about it, but you're like, no, that's my man. Though. It's nuts because I remember telling D-Rock, I was like, D-Rock, please take care of him. Because the death threats were real. All that stuff that you hear in the documentaries and all the, the tales people calling up and hanging up and that stuff was real really yeah so because that stuff was happening on a regular basis Wait, that's um, what the skit on the album is like yeah. somebody calling saying yes. I'm gonna kill you but he yes. made it funny yes 100% but I told D-Rock yo please take care of him and I remember them saying yo we going out to LA I'm like no man how's this a good idea six months ago a year ago Pac died and then they're still blaming you for that why would you want to go to LA and party Puff was like you know what we got the Soul Train Awards. We're finishing the album. 
we're just gonna go out there and party and just celebrate the album being done. Well, and Big had obviously already done going back to Cali, right. so he clearly had the mindset of, of course like, he loves Cali. I'm moving past this. I'm gonna have fun out there. Hundred percent. He obviously had some faith. That it would be okay. That 100%. people would just fuck with him. And it would be okay. A lot of people fucked with and him. People in LA did too, for the yeah. most part. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but that's I wouldn't. Ah, uh, that's a rough one, man. Yeah. So I I decided to stay back and for a good reason, I think, because what if that was me in the car next to them? You know, we never know. What so you really said. didn't go out of worry. Like I yeah. just doesn't make sense nah, to go. No, I didn't go. It made no sense. First, I, I don't know if you guys know this. I used to DJ for Little Kim. Um, okay. The first <laughs> time happened? I went to LA was with Kim. We weren't allowed to do nothing. We went. We went for an MTV thing, right? Yes, we landed. There was like like security, not hood niggas, like real professional security. And we went to the hotel. The hotel across from the Fat Burger that Biggie talks about in the song. I want to square to take it a Fat Burger. And then, so we're in a hotel for like three days, and no, they do not go outside. They don't step outside. So I was like. I'm, I wasn't in Junior Mafia back then. No one knows who I am. So I just like walked around the hotel by myself. I was like, I'm in Los Angeles, Hollywood. And just walked around. But like they like they and they had mad girls come to the hotel because they I was like, how the hell do you know all these girls? And like, yo, they, they, we used to be out here all the time. We love L.A. All that shit that happened was fucked up. Where were you uh, during the funeral? I was there. Were you like all together? Were you like with the music? I went there. With, with Junior Mafia? And- I think me and Angie Martinez went together, if I'm not mistaken, yes. They asked us to carry his, his coffin out, but I missed that. I think it was like Lance on Rivera's and his brothers, and most of them kind of like went out to carry the coffin. To be Paul yeah. um, in my On my list of questions, mm-hmm. uh, as we head towards the, the end of part one with DJ Enough, the first time there will ever be a part two, um, <laughs> Cass One said... Ask him the story of when he quit Star and Buck Wild. Star was very controlling at the time, and he was trying to control what I was playing, and I wasn't really happy about that. So I just got up and said, I'm out of here. Fuck this. I quit. And I just left the building, went downstairs. Mid-show. Yeah. Walk out the building, had my book bag on. And then Tracy Clority, the ice queen, ran downstairs, met me in the street. Where are you going? I quit. Fuck this. I'm not doing it. I'm not listening to him. Whatever. Because I need you. You crazy? You're one of my best DJs. So it was the first time I felt important at Hot 97. Like, for real, for real. Because I never, I never felt that. Because <laughs> What about when security was escorting you out? <laughs> no, but sometimes you don't really know your worth. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And then yeah. You can't see yourself the way the outside sees you. No, yeah. So then for the big boss to be like, you're not going nowhere. You're not whatever. And she just, I don't know, she fixed it. And then she, she worked it out and she just moved me. Just moved me to another slot. But that's, you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of people who take those chances to know their worth or to play, right. leverage some shit. Right. But we're humble guys. Like, right. we're like, man, fuck this. I just want to play music. I'm right. a hip hop DJ. Fuck this. And then you leave, but then it gets shown to you. Mm-hmm. That's a good moment, man. Right. Yeah. That's yes. a good moment when they go, no, 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 we need you. You're yeah. valuable. Yeah. All right. So at this juncture. All right, we got nothing. There's so much more. I, we've gotten we've gotten a lot. No, because the Biggie part I knew was going to be very lofty. Like okay. it's sort of. By the way, how often do people mention Biggie to you? Is it every day? All the time. Every day, like to all the time. I think it's probably the most. Besides Hot ninety seven, it's the other thing I'm probably most notarized for or known for. Wow. Yes. Sir. So on on the flip side, as we preview, and by the way, enough. I, I want to make squad. I want to make one one request of you. When this episode drops and everyone's going, wow, DJ Enough's amazing. 
Don't do any other podcast interviews till we do part two. That's gotcha. all I ask. All, all right. right. I'm down so with So a that. couple of weeks. Just give us a couple of weeks. Right. Because we got to, I was going to say right now, like, I'm sure most people ask you about Biggie. Mm-hmm. What I don't think people realize is that heavy hitters logo that's on the Kanye Kanye's West. first album. Yes, sir. You know, and how close that relationship was. Oh, Kanye used to beg me to be down with me. Preview of the next episode. Here's a preview, mm-hmm. preview question. Wait, next time on One Up Is Life. DJ Enough. Yes, sir. Were you shocked? Because we were very surprised that you weren't in the genius doc. Were you surprised that the heavy hitters were not in there at all? Yeah, but I don't know the guys who were doing it. Cootie I, and Chica. I know Cootie and them now, but I didn't at the time. So you didn't see the cameras that much? No, then? no. Wow. No. It just happened to be. It just happened to be. I mean, I think one of his album release parties, I think he was there. I think when his mom was there or something, that's, I might have seen that. That's it. I was at a few spots where I was in the building, but it's, they just didn't get me on camera. That's all. And, and because cause I remember after it came out, like Saif said and Ebro, everyone mentioned to me, Kanye was around Hot 97 a lot. All the time. Cameras weren't there, but all he the was there a lot. All the time. All the time. So we'll get into all of that next uh, and, I, and all your other amazing connections and production credits and there's so much to do and how you ended up with the heavy hitters because yes, because you were Flex, not asked because to Flex be. shitted on me and it didn't make me a big dog pit bull. Sife? Hmm? What, do you, what say you? I wasn't good enough to be down with Cypher and Riz and them. I so, was tight. Yo, uh, he, had, he had DJ Premier. Everybody Premier? was down. Yeah, Premier was a pit dog pit bull for a quick second. Premier he was? was? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, but Enough's definitely skipping a part of the story. Well, hold on, hold on. Everyone. Next is, time on next One Up is Life. Enough. We can't thank you enough, dude. No problem. Really. We, and your patience in dealing with our first day in the new studio. Nah, so we good. appreciate you. I'm here, man. You guys are doing great Love work. Love you, e. Love right. you. The great DJ Enough. Um, catch Cypher Sounds. We'll be at the Ha Ha Hole in Toledo. <laughs> <laughs> See you next time.